Hey, I am Ruby Fremont, host of the Potent Truth podcast and author of Potent Leadership, and you are listening to the Relationships and Revenue podcast with John Hewlin. This is Relationships and Revenue. The show where real answers come from real discussions about what holds men back in their relationships at home and in business. A better bottom line at work means improving life at home. This show is all about helping you become a better entrepreneur and a better man. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. I am your host, John Hewlin. Again, so happy you decided to share your most precious resource with me, and that is your time. As you heard just a moment ago, I have the infamous, the fabulous, the one and only Ruby Freeman. Ruby, how are you today? I'm doing really good. I've had a great week. I'm excited to be here. How about you? Oh, I am super pumped, mostly because I knew you were going to be here today. But <laughs> there are lots of other reasons, too. So yeah. I can't wait to get into it with you, but in order to do that, I have to serve the audience well by letting them know a little bit more about you. So, folks, for those of you who are listening, you're going to hear the ruffling of papers. For those of you who are watching, obviously you can see this because I am a person who takes notes and prepares for every interview that I do. So, Ruby is a certified life coach, an NLP practitioner. She's clearly a speaker. She is a podcast host. She is an author of the fabulous book, which I am about halfway through right now. It's called Potent Leadership, and the subtitle is Drop the Mask, Ignite the Real You, and Reclaim the Leader Within. And trust me, folks, we are getting into that in the very near future. So, Ruby, that's a little bit about you, but you have two other titles that I suppose you probably hold in much higher regard than any of the ones I just mentioned, and those happen to be wife and dog mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mother to, to many, or yeah, many labradoodles uh, that are Jedis in training. In mm -hmm. fact, their Instagram handle is Doodle Jedi's. In case you need some cuteness in your feed, give them oh a follow. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Consider that done. I will be following the dogs here in the very near future. And their names, by the way, are Luke and Leia. Yes. For those of you who are Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. They are brother and sister from the same litter. I don't know what we were thinking. A little ambitious there, but uh, we're getting through it. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are they? They are now eight and a half months. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So not that long have you had them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. So, Ruby, we scratched the surface in learning more about you. So please dig a little deeper. Tell us. Take us back. Tell us what you want us to know about you, kind of how you got your start, and what led you to where you are today. Mm. So a snapshot of my story really is that I grew up in an Indian family in Canada and I was in an Im immigrant family. And so I was actually the first born in Canada and my parents did their best raising me under the same cultural guidelines and rule book that they were raised under, which unfortunately wasn't working very well um, for me in Canada. And 
I was really shown my entire life and my entire upbringing that it wasn't safe to be me, that it wasn't safe to use my voice. Anytime I questioned my parents, I would be shunned or punished or shut down. Um, there was a very specific path that I was expected to take and being rebellious by nature. I definitely crossed a lot of boundaries growing up and learned very quickly that um, it, it's really just not safe to, to be me. And so I started to hide pieces of myself, to dismiss pieces of myself, to uh, quiet my voice and to play small. And by the time I was in my early 20s, I experienced a massive breakdown just in my health and well-being. And mm. um, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, rheumatoid arthritis, um, clinical depression, and anxiety disorder. And I was put on a bunch of prescriptions, one of which I became very addicted to. Mm. So my addiction started in my early 20s. And although in my mid-20s, I, I started to create a shift. I had a, a suicide attempt. Mm. And it was really, it just felt like the walls were closing in. Like I didn't feel free and I didn't understand why. Mm. And when I came to and realized that I was alive, I, I said to myself, I need to give myself a chance. And so I started getting healthier. I started seeking holistic support. I got off all my prescriptions and meds um, and started healing holistically, but I wasn't working on the inside. I was working simply on the physical health. I wasn't mm. working on what I was dealing with mentally emotionally and spiritually. So by the time I was in my late twenties, I was a full on addict. I worked in nightlife. I was addicted to recreational drugs and alcohol. Uh, and my entire life was a blur. Um, I hated feeling sober. I hated feeling my feelings and all I wanted to do was hide them or numb out, um, which led me to what I call like my second rock bottom moment um, and the rock bottom that really changed my life, which was in 2012 when I ended a very abusive relationship. Mm. And I found myself crying in my apartment alone and it felt really familiar. And the voices in my head felt really familiar, almost like a broken record. You know, <laughs> why me, why me? Yeah. And I remember getting up and going to the bathroom and looking in the mirror and not recognizing who I was. And that's when I knew I don't love myself. Like mm -hmm. all these decisions that I've been making in my life are not due to my parents or the people I've been dating or the people around me. Mm -hmm. These are really just a result of, of me and stemming from the sheer fact that I don't love myself. I don't feel worthy. So I continue to choose um, these people, these experiences, these make these decisions that lead me in the direction of self hatred. Mm. And so I started to really clean up my life at that point in 2012, just making different decisions, um, making different choices for myself, working on mind, body, and spirit. And during that time, um, I started blogging about my experience. Mm. Uh, I wanted, I was craving an outlet for, up until then, I felt like I didn't have a voice. And now I felt like sharing this would be healing for me. It was for selfish reasons. I started sharing online um, first anonymously because mm -hmm. I didn't want anyone to know. 
And then one day I just got courageous enough to share one of my anonymous blog entries on Facebook where I had thousands of, of followers just due to the nightlife industry. And mm, mm-hmm. I got bombarded with messages from people. Wow. And the messages ranged from like, thank you for sharing. I'm going through the same thing to, wow, I didn't know you were going through this to like, oh my God, like this is so helpful. Mm-hmm. And people start sharing their stories with me. And it was like that connection that I had craved my entire life. Here I was receiving it by actually being me when my entire <laughs> life, I thought it wasn't, I wasn't safe to be me. So I realized there was magic in, in being transparent with people. Yeah. And so I started going head first, diving head first into personal development, which was a new world for me mm-hmm. and really loved it. I loved the idea. I'd been to therapy before and therapy is great, but I loved the proactive approach of, of coaching. Mm-hmm. So I went back to school, became a coach, studied NLP as well, became an NLP practitioner, started coaching in 2014. And I haven't looked back. It, it's really, you know, I, I, the only reason I look back is to reflect and show gratitude for the path that I've been on because now all those dots connect, you know, I Mm -hmm. went through everything so that I could be here today and do the work that I do today. And I'm really grateful for that. Oh yeah. You know, I have found many times in life, the people that I look at and say, that's a great person. There's been at least one cataclysmic event in that person's life that they had the opportunity to learn from or crumble. And that many times it's through the pain that purpose comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it definitely well sounds said. like, definitely sounds like the case with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- there's a funny thing about pain and that's really not even what I was planning on talking about, but the funny thing about pain is it's not even for us many times the pain is actually for the other people that will have the opportunity to help, but it requires us not to ignore it, not to pretend it's not there, not to work around it, but to be in the middle of it, work through it so we can get to the other side, so we can be of benefit to other people. That's where the purpose comes through. Otherwise, it's just pain. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's what you do with that pain. For sure. For Mm -hmm. sure. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that about you. That was very insightful. Oh, goodness. And we could spend the rest of the time talking about just that. So Mm -hmm. perhaps that's another episode for another time. Mm -hmm. All right. Your podcast is called Potent Truth. Mm Mm-hmm which is for me an intriguing title. I mean, that title alone, if I didn't know you, didn't know what anything about you, the title alone would make me want to listen, mm. which I'm sure was part of the reason for coming up with something like that. So tell us a little bit more about Potent Truth, what you're doing with the podcast and what kind of a difference you want to make with it. Mm. Well, Potent Truth didn't start off as Potent Truth. It's gone through, this is the third name change. I've had the podcast since 2017, and I'm now like 230 something episodes in. And um, 
it was today's thought leader for a really long time. And thought leadership was my brand. Mm-hmm. And last year, I was, as I was writing the book and realizing the book is about potency, I also just spent a lot of time connecting the dots within just my mission and my legacy work and what it is that I'm here to do. And so much um, was ignited to an even greater level um, in the last year and a half. And I know, you know, a lot of the quotes that I share, I used to call potent truths. Mm. And it's because I think that there is a, a, a level of potency that comes when you hear the truth and, and truth is something that is so, uh, almost like avoided these days, you know, we live in, in this world that, that makes it really easy to hide or to lie or to manipulate. And so potent truth really came from the quotes that I was sharing. And when I was deciding to evolve my podcast, I just thought it was fitting to share that because when I get on my podcast, that's what comes out of my mouth. And, um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really the direction of the podcast has now become, um, it's a space for us to dive deeper into the truth, to go beyond the veils of illusion and Mm -hmm. to reclaim our sovereignty as human beings and as leaders. And so that's what the podcast is all about. So if any of that appeals to, to our listeners, feel free to hit subscribe on my podcast and tune in, but um, buckle up because I do, I do speak a lot of truth. (laughs) (laughs) She does folks. There's no doubt about that. The things that Ruby shares, it's not for the faint of heart. We'll no. put it that way, for sure. <laughs> um, and, and I say that with love, mm-hmm. truly. Um, you know, I, I want to share something with you, Ruby, that was shared with me by a coach of mine uh, a few years back. His name's Brian Dixon, and he said it this way. What's ordinary to you is magic to others. Mm. Yeah. And that's what comes out during your podcast. You are expressing what others view as magic. It's eye-opening. It's, I can't believe what I'm hearing. It's, it can be, it's revolutionizing for the person Mm -hmm. listening. Thank you. You bet. Thank you so much. Well, it's important. I think far too many times, you know, we'll, we tell people what they want to hear because it's easier because we don't want to have those in-depth kinds of conversations because they can become uncomfortable even when you're talking about good things Mm -hmm. because people don't like to they don't like to gush and honestly i've just gotten to the point in my life ruby where i'm like you know what i'm gonna tell people the truth i will do it in love but i will always tell them the truth because many times that's the thing they're dying to hear anyway They're shriveling Mm -hmm. on the vine and all I have to do is share something that they've done that I thought has been extremely meaningful. And that could be just the little bit of sunshine and water they need to blossom. Mm -hmm. So that's why I shared that. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Well, clearly we have to talk about this. (laughs) We have to talk about potent leadership because folks, okay, there's going to be links to everything we're talking about. So if you're, in the car, if you're running, please don't write anything down. I don't want people tripping, falling. I don't want you crashing. I don't want any of that kind of stuff. So we're going to have links to everything, including how to get her book, Potent Leadership. There's, oh my gosh, I don't even know that I can cover everything that's in the book. There's so much there. But I just, I guess one of the things I want to know about the book is 
probably the most obvious question, why write it? Mm. And then a subset of that question is who needs the message of potent leadership? Yeah, I didn't always want to write a book. Um, I think it was around 2017 when I really got serious about, okay, I really want to write a book. Um, and I did, I, I did a book proposal. We pitched it to publishing houses and it just wasn't right. And I'm so grateful that that book didn't come out because that book wasn't the book. Um, mm. That was purely for uh, business reasons. And mm. that doesn't feel aligned. This book that was birthed, um, this really comes from my heart, from the depths of my soul, from what I call my legacy work. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really, I'm here to, to give the world a voice. Like I feel that everybody on this planet deserves to feel as if they get to use their voice and they get to show up in the fullest expression of who they be. And more often than not, people feel really, really unsafe as, mm. as who they are because of their upbringing, because of society, because of cultural or religious programming, whatever it is. And it's very hard on us when we don't have or feel like we don't have the freedom to be who we are. Mm -hmm. um, and it's deeply unfulfilling. And so for me, the book just became what it was through the writing process and who it's for are really, um, it's called potent leaders, but I believe that everyone is a leader. I believe that we all have the opportunity to lead our own lives, right? Mm -hmm. And that's really important is for people to reclaim that leader within them, but also by recognizing their potency, the medicine that they have to offer when they are being the fullest expression of who they be. So this book is definitely for any leader out there and also for anyone who's felt like they don't have a voice and are ready to really reclaim that. Okay. Okay. You talk about doing the inner work mm -hmm. within the book. You talk about that, uh, the inner work to be a leader and not just to look like one. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? I mean, I think a, a lot of the leadership industry, which it's become, um, you know, it's this cool title that people claim nowadays because you can, uh, a lot of people focus on the external. They focus on business. They focus on branding. They focus on positioning. They're focusing, they focus on marketing. Um, they focus on the optics versus yeah. who they're being. And uh, every single trauma that you have every single wound will be reflected in your leadership a hundred percent and uh, right now what we need are leaders who aren't projecting their own traumas and their own wounding onto society we need leaders who are truly showing up as the embodiment of what it looks like to be someone who's deep in the work um, so it's about having a devotion to your own self-work to your own inner work to your own personal development to healing your mind, body, and spirit, and also understanding that healing is a never-ending journey, um, that we are healing our entire lives because every day that we are here, every day that we exist is a new day for us to experience a trauma, experience a wound. And um, we just have 
an infinite number of layers to dive into. You, you feel like you've worked on one trauma and you're like, great, I healed this. And then it might pop up another time sometime later, you know, a few years down the road and you're like, oh, there's a deeper layer to this. And, and so just to also have the humility and knowing that you're always going to be healing, but it's the devotion to that healing that is going to greatly impact your leadership. For sure. You know, I, while this does apply to leaders, I would say it definitely applies to everyone. And that is this, when those traumas come and we recognize them for what they are, and we begin to do the work, begin to, working through it, um, going on that healing path. It's easy to think once it's no longer in front of mind that somehow the work is done, that it's over. Mm-hmm. And when they when it comes back up, because inevitably it will, mm-hmm. usually at inopportune times, it can be devastating. It's like, I thought we were done with that. And thinking of it in, in, the problem, I guess, is we think of it in linear terms. It's, I go along this path, there's a divot, there's this problem I have, it's this giant pothole. My work is filling the pothole to make it flat so I can keep on going. The problem is that it's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, it's a continual working on ourselves. Now, let, side question to that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would be helpful if people knew better how to identify who they are along the way so that those challenges, those traumas, or at least the effectiveness isn't the right word, but the result of it is lessened. It's not as harsh. If people know how to figure out who they are and all this, that doing a lot of work on the front end will lessen the pain of the back end. Do you think that's even a possibility? I think it's actually all intertwined. Um, in okay. my experience, as we work through our traumas or even face our traumas, we start to acknowledge pieces of ourselves that we have uh, maybe otherwise dismissed, whether consciously or unconsciously. Uh, So every time you dive deeper into uh, a trauma or a wound or a shadow, there is another level of you that you get to meet. Mm. Okay. Very good. I think we already covered that. Um, In this particular podcast, we talk often about relationships. Obviously, we talk about that. Uh, oh, before I get there, I do have one other question. I want to bring up something from directly from the book. Mm-hmm. It's a series of questions that you ask. It's on page, not that you know every single page and what's on them, <laughs> but it happens to be on page 149. It's the uh, it's a little block of questions mm-hmm. there. It's in, this is what happens when you don't have your reading glasses. If you don't need them yet, you may someday, but <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. So you ask a series of questions here about things like, am I attracting the right people in my business and movement? Uh, Am I attracting opportunities that feel aligned with what I really want? That series of questions. Mm -hmm. So in that particular series of questions, 
why are those so necessary in order to become an amazing leader? You have to have the awareness to understand why you're where you're at. You know, if you're a leader and you feel as if you're not experiencing the right relationships or the right opportunities or the right experiences, like things, something feels off, then that means that there's something off within you and your leadership. There's a misalignment there. Mm -hmm. And it's important as leaders to become radically aligned with your values, the things that are actually truly important to you. And through that radical alignment, you start to build your leadership from a very solid foundation that is in, in congruence with who you are. Mm -hmm. And that's when we start to attract the right or aligned clients, the aligned relationships, aligned business opportunities, aligned experiences, all of those things that can only happen when you yourself are in alignment with yourself. Okay. Question to go along with that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned about knowing yourself and aligning yourself. How do you know when you're in alignment? How do you know when you're following who you truly are so that you can find those types of clients you're talking about? That's a great question because often when we are not being who we truly are, we don't really know it. <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea. However, what you will notice are feelings of, of things just don't feel right. Things feel off. Um, you will feel a level of unfulfillment. There won't be a, a sense of excitement or joy in what you're doing. Um, it's gonna, it, it just, it drains you. It's exhausting mm -hmm. versus being energizing. So it's more so the feelings, um, because we, when you're not being who you truly are, you don't know it, but it's really exhausting putting on a front and pretending and wearing masks and performing like that's very, very exhausting to pretend to right. be something that you're not. So you'll know, um, by how you're feeling. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, as you were saying that an analogy came to mind for me now, for those of you who have listened and watched this particular podcast for any length of time, you know, part of my background is that I grew up in a car family. And so car analogies come very easy to me. <laughs> for the way you were describing it, it sounded to me like what's if you were to describe your favorite sports car, what would it be? Me? Yeah. I, I'm you don't even care about person. that. You don't I even don't care even, about that I don't at all. Care. Do you? Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's just say um, it's a Bugatti. How's that? Okay. It's that's an extremely expensive, goes very very fast, yeah. gorgeous mm -hmm. vehicle or line of vehicles. There aren't very many, but what you were describing to me sounded like having a Bugatti, mm -hmm. but always driving it in second gear. Mm. Yeah. It has 10, mm -hmm. but driving it in second. Mm -hmm. So the potential is there's 80% more potential, but we're only existing within the vehicle in the first 20%. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I heard you saying. Yeah. 
was that's what happens to us many times. We may not recognize it. If you've never driven in those other gears, you don't even know that it's possible to do that. Mm -hmm. But once you discover it, it's like, look at what I had been missing this whole time. That's, that's kind of what I heard when you were saying that. That's what came to my mind. It's like, there's so much more available. Yeah. Once we begin the process of discovering who we are and it's like, oh, I've been living like this, but I'm so much more. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. All right. So relationships, which are so critically important. Um, listeners and viewers of this podcast have heard me say many times that in order for our businesses to be the absolute best that they can be, they require us to be working on the home front, those relationships, the ones we consider to be most significant. Now it could be a spouse, it could be with children, it could be with friends, it could it could potentially be with coworkers, that sort of thing. It's whatever we deem to be most significant. But if those aren't right, there's no way our businesses can be right. So with that as the backdrop, Ruby, what are you doing to work on your most significant relationships and subsequently, how do those relationships impact your business? Mm. So I have, um, my, my husband is also an entrepreneur and we both work from home. Mm. Um, so our home is also our workplace. However, we, both <laughs> eat, we each have our own office, which we intentionally, you know, got, we intentionally bought a four bedroom home so that we could have one bedroom, two offices and a guest room. Like that okay. was a necessity. Yeah. Um, so that we could then close the door on the office. And when we return to each other, mm. the offices are closed. Love so that's that. one thing I think for any entrepreneur listening, that's really, really important, especially when you work at home to be able to shut that off because it is a lot harder when your home is your workplace. So to do something that really, um, shuts it off so that when you come together, you come back together as a husband and a wife and not two entrepreneurs, uh, <laughs> brainstorming on new ideas. Although that can be fun too. Yeah. Um, we make sure that we have regular date nights, uh, very, very hey. important. Yes. Um, and, and they don't, you know, they range, they range from like maybe going out to dinner to like, um, we're, we're going to go paddleboarding this weekend. Mm. And mm -hmm. it, it just, whatever we feel like doing, but making sure that we have a date night on the schedule. Yes. Um, and also communication is key. You know, um, we both have very, very different communication styles. And so mm. for us, it's very important to continue to refine the way in which we communicate with each other. And that is an active practice, meaning that we are both aware that we have different communication styles. So it's the awareness and we've made it an active intentional practice in our household to really work on communication together. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, never go to bed angry. I think that, or upset. I think yep. that's just a rule any household should have. Um, and we talk things through when, as they come up, mm -hmm. it's important to not let things fester. And because we both run businesses, our relationship is really the, it serves as the foundation for, for everything that we're building. Mm -hmm. um, I always believe, in my opinion, we are the foundation of our lives. 
and then next come your relationships and then everything builds on that. So if your relationships are really unhappy, then that's definitely going to bleed into your work. Um, Have I met really successful people with really poor relationships? Definitely. I've definitely met those people, but the success is external. It's never internal. They feel deeply unfulfilled, even though they're making tons of money and have like a lot of external access, they are deeply, deeply unfulfilled. Um, So having a happy relationship, whether it's your partner or happy relationships in your family or happy relationships with your friends, that is what really nourishes you in addition to your own self-care, but the relationships nourish you so that you can then serve in your business at a whole new level. For sure, for sure. Uh, I would suspect that with your husband, based upon the fact that you have different communication styles, Mm -hmm. your love languages, I would assume, are probably different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's pretty common. Um, So based upon some of what you were sharing, it, it brings up the question, what are you doing to take care of you? right now. Mm. I would be curious to know what some of those things are. Because before we started recording, you mentioned that there was something you typically do first in the morning that you had not done. So I'm curious what some of those things are that Ruby does to take care of herself. Yeah. So I I wake up at five in the morning and I was telling John, I don't usually start my day until just a little bit later. We we start at 10 a.m. You know, I'll occasionally get, I'll usually get to my desk maybe by 10 a.m., but not on a call. And it sounds like a lot of time in the morning, five to five to 10, that's five hours. Mm-hmm. But there are things that um, I need to do for myself uh, before serving others and serving yes. the world. So mm-hmm. for me, um, fitness, working out, getting into my body every day, that is been very, very important. Uh, working out is how I drop into my body. It's my physical meditation. It's for health. Um, and also easing into my day. I used to Mm -hmm. definitely be a hustler and really, really good at it. I I had a, I have an amazing dad to learn that from. Um, (laughs) but it was exhausting, you know, get up, do this, 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 and this, it just, it feels so taxing on the body. And so, I have so much time in the morning so I can create spaciousness for myself to do Mm. whatever it is that I feel like I need. Mm. Um, Reading is the thing that I miss today, Um, Uh. but I like to read in the mornings. I hate reading at the, I used to read at the end of the night, but now I'm just tired at the end of the night. So like morning (laughs) is the best time to read, I figure. Okay. Um, Having my tea and making my tea making, like when I actually brew my tea, a ritual, um, playing with the dogs, you know, just having a little Mm -hmm. bit of family time before we start our day. Um, And whatever else calls to me, if I feel called to meditate, meditate, if I feel called to do some breath work, do some breath work. Um, If I feel called to put my feet in the grass doing that, Mm -hmm. Um, but just allowing myself the spaciousness to do what it is that I need to do Mm. to fuel myself for the day. Okay. I like that. Uh, Folks, I want you to be sure to hone in on something that Ruby just shared, which I think is extremely important. And I've talked about before, but not a lot. And that is this. Far too often, if you get your understanding of what it means to be an entrepreneur from social media, which I do not recommend, however, but if you're paying attention, you will see that word she mentioned 
hustle over and over and over again. In my opinion, it will not serve you well. It will not serve you long term to do that. It's not that you don't have to do that in bursts. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying as a lifestyle, it's not going to serve you well. All it's going to do is take from you. It is not going to give to you. Now, I will say, if all you care about is money, hustle will do well for you. Folks, you know me. That is not what I'm about. It's never what I've been about. I care about my relationship with God, and I care about people. That is all I care about. That's what I want to be known for. Money is just a means to an end. That's it. So if we decide we want to go back to how things used to be and everything's barter, I'm cool with that too. It makes no difference to me. So thank you for sharing that. That was extremely helpful in knowing a little bit more about your process and what you do. Um, that makes me not feel so bad that, uh, that I know there's other people out there who don't necessarily rush into their mm -hmm. day, that they create space on purpose for things that they want to do and need to do, but also that white space in there for to just be. Mm -hmm. And that can be difficult as an entrepreneur to create the time to just be. And I, and I don't know how it affects you, Ruby, but for me, when I give myself that time, when I purposefully set it aside and I utilize it for that purpose, that's when my creativity just flows. I don't even have to try. It just comes. Mm -hmm. And in a variety of ways. My creativity is probably very different than yours, and that's okay. Uh, I never considered myself to be a creative person. For many, many years I didn't because mm -hmm. I had a very limited perspective of what creativity was. Mm -hmm. I thought it was I had to be an actual artist who was you know, like painting or drawing or I had to be someone who created music or something like that. And while those certainly apply, that I'm very creative in other ways. I'm creative with my voice mm -hmm. and how in uh, word usage. That's one way that I'm creative. But I never thought of it that way before. So that was very um, enlightening for me when that happened so we're getting close to wrap up time here ruby but before we get there uh, there's a few other quick things i want to get to first who is this is gonna sound like an abrupt turn and i don't mean it that way but i think it's important for people to know this about you because you do have clients there are people you do work with so tell me who is ruby's ideal client mm. My ideal client is an entrepreneurial leader, uh, someone who is really ready to weave more of themselves in their business and in their leadership, someone who's seeking to create alignment in their work, someone who is tired of trying to do things their way and really wants to find their own path, and someone who's not afraid of getting dirty and diving deep into the inner work. Okay. I like that. So my suspicion based upon what you said is that there will be people who are like, I think I might want to work with Ruby. And then when they start to dig a little deeper, they probably figure out, I don't know that I'm a match for her. Mm -hmm. Do you experience that a lot? I think more, I think because I'm so transparent online, mm -hmm. people just know. Okay. Um, yeah, there's the I I think I'm so upfront that there's no way 
you could mistake (laughs) 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 who I am and what I stand for. And you're either going to align with it or you're not right. Okay. Go. Yeah. You know, but there's something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I want you to know Ruby that I appreciate how you choose to express yourself in social media. I appreciate it because there's no ambiguity with you. I know what you're thinking because you clearly say it. Uh, there's, I don't think, well, she could mean this or no, that's not how it is with you. And I love that. Uh, I wish I could say that there are other people that I follow that that's the case, but it's not it. it mm-hmm. You are refreshingly rare. Mm, thank you. You're welcome. How can folks find you? So uh, the best place to go is my website, rubyframon.com. You can also find me on social media. My handle is at I am Ruby. It's the same handle for YouTube at I am Ruby or not at, but I am Ruby. Mm-hmm. And um, if you want to grab a copy of the book, Potent Leadership, you can do so on my website or head to potentleadership.com or Amazon in all countries. You can find Potent Leadership there. And yeah, I'm super happy to connect. Oh, and folks, again, there will be links to all this stuff in the show notes, but the book you absolutely have to get. Uh, If you're an entrepreneur and you're not reading this book, something is wrong with you. Seriously, there's something seriously wrong. I'm looking over and I'm seeing the book and I set it down on purpose. There's a spot that's open and I, mm-hmm. I can't let this go. I wanted to, I wanted to ignore it, but I can't. So I have okay. to ask. Chapter 10, the title of the chapter is what makes me even want to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Performative leadership versus potent leadership. Help us understand what's the difference go please yeah performative leadership is when you're leading from your ego it's the very much the old school mentality of leadership where you place yourself on a pedestal and talk down at everyone and fake your way into whatever it is that you're trying to get into Um, it comes from a very self-conscious place as if you feel you feel as if you need to perform and pretend to be this expert and you drop all sense of humility. Whereas a potent leader is someone who is humble, someone who practices transparency and congruency, someone who is very authentic and real, mm. um, someone who isn't afraid to really connect with their compu- uh, their community mm. and also um, kicks the pedestal to the curb. Gotcha, that's perfect. You know, as you were describing that, uh, I actually, a person came to my mind Uh, because when I think of the term leadership, um, there are different people who come to my mind when I think of that, uh, both on the, this is someone who gets it side of things and these others who like, don't get it. Mm -hmm. But the first person who came to my mind who gets it, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this, uh, gentleman or not. His name is Craig Rochelle. Mm -hmm. Craig Rochelle, he has a leadership podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, comes out once a month. Uh, it's fabulous. I mean, he's a he's someone who has a team of 750 paid people and tens of thousands of volunteers. Mm. So one of the reasons I like following him is because 
he is the kind of person you're describing. He is the kind of person who is transparent with what he says and what he talks about and is able... I figure if you can get tens of thousands of people to follow what you're doing, you must be doing something right because you can't hold a paycheck over their heads. Mm -hmm. And that's a much harder crowd to lead than those who are in your employ. So that's what, when you were describing it, that was somebody who came to my mind. Um, mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. For you right now, as many examples as you want, who's doing it? Who is that kind of potent leader that you were referring to? You know, what's funny is often the potent leaders are the ones who aren't so much on the scene is what I've noticed. Mm -hmm. The ones who are really, really congruent when and walking the walk and not just talking the talk are the ones who aren't as well known and not on the scene. Okay. Um, and instead of naming a bunch of names of people you probably don't know, I think what's more important is to like, when you, for example, open up a social media app, maybe, and you look at people's feeds and, and at the leaders, pay attention to how you feel when you're looking at their content, because how you feel when you're reading their content and learning, looking at their content says a lot about the energy that this person is emitting. Okay. And that's important to take note of, especially, especially today, um, to really uncover who the true potent leaders are versus the mm. ones who are simply performing. So I'd rather flip that question to the listener okay. and have you do that and just see what, if, if there's anything that shifts in regards to how you see people. Okay. I like that. Uh, kind of a litmus test. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very cool. All right. Well, now we come to uh, the final part here where we talk about our final four. It's just four quick questions. You tell me the first thing that pops in your head. Okay. Okay. All right. First question, um, substitute whatever word you want to put in here. So I'll ask the question and then you can do the substitution. Why did God create Ruby? If God, universe, Allah, whatever it is that fits for you, why were you created? How's that? Still figuring that out. And okay. there's no shame in that. <laughs> no, none at yeah, all. You know, journey. honestly, Ruby, that's probably the most honest answer I've gotten so far. <laughs> Still figuring it out. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Very cool. All right. So what are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? Mm. What I am doing. I'm going to talk about what I'm doing right now. Um okay. So what I've been doing is putting on the blinders <laughs> in all ways that I can describe and okay. really just honing in on self in this moment and self-mastery and self-precision and self-growth um, without distracting myself with what everyone else is doing. And, and I mean, in all ways in, in like my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual development. Okay. Gotcha. Now, the next one is, it's a two-part question, but you'll understand why. Mm -hmm. What do you do for fun? 
And what do you do for fun with your hubby? Um, what I do for fun, uh, anything that involves the outdoors, okay. anything that involves the outdoors, literally anything. Hiking is my all time favorite mm. sport. If you want to call it a sport. Um, and then my husband and I, what we do for fun, um, we love hiking. Mm -hmm. We love taking little adventures, um, meaning just finding new activities to do around the city or in nature mm -hmm. and um, connecting in that way. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. And last question, number four, what are you most grateful for? Mm. I am most grateful for the journey that I've been on. And when I say the journey, what I'm really referring to is every single trauma that has helped shape me <laughs> into who I am so that I could yeah. do this work that I do. Absolutely. Folks, I hope Ruby's answer to that last question isn't lost on you. I don't gloss over it. If you need to stop this, go back, listen to it again, and really spend some time thinking about that. Because logically, it doesn't make sense. Why would you celebrate or be grateful for trauma? It doesn't make sense. But when you've been through it, and you've learned from it, and it has changed you, that's how you can be grateful for it. So I completely understand what you're talking about. I do. So thank you, Ruby, for sharing that with us. Mm -hmm. That was... Um, in my mind, that was a, a monumental answer mm. to a small question. Thank you. Well, Ruby, thank you very much for your time today. Uh, it's not something that I take lightly. It is, as I mentioned before, it is a non-renewable resource. And so it's something I am very grateful for. And so thank you so much for spending time with us today. So glad you did. Thank you. Thank you for having me and everyone listening. Thank you so much. Yeah. Listeners, thank you very much for being here today. We will look forward to talking to you all next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening. And remember... Passion gets you started. Purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.